Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that is Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I'm your host, Sandra Flack, fellow adoptive mom on this journey with you. This is the third episode in our foster care focus series for the month of May, which is National Foster Care Month. And we have another amazing foster adoptive mama guest with us today. But first, I'd like to remind you that we are changing the name of this podcast. The new name will be the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. As I mentioned back in episode 320, we started as a radio program about seven years ago, uh, and we've been a podcast, strictly a podcast, for the past three years, and now we know who our intentional listeners are. We know it is you, adoptive, foster, and kinship parents who faithfully tune in and listen. So, As of June 1st, 2022, we will be appearing in your podcast lineup with the new name, The Adoption and Foster Care Journey. Same host, yours truly, same great content, same inspiring content, and our same mission, which is to serve you. If you are already a subscriber, you don't have to do anything, but notice that it's a new name, Uh, when the show drops into your podcast lineup there. I'm not sure what the technical name is, um, if it's your queue or if it's your uh, inbox or whatever, but you'll notice it appearing by the new name starting in June. So if you're already a subscriber, you do not have to do anything. You'll just notice it's a new name, but it's the same show. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go on ahead and subscribe today when listeners subscribe and leave a star review. It signals to those uh, algorithms out there in cyberspace that this show is relevant and it is important. And we want all adoptive foster and kinship caregivers to find this show because we believe it is a vital resource for the parenting journey. So uh, if you do find this show to be an encouragement yourself, please tell your fellow foster and adoptive friends about it. Um, And also let us know. Uh, Go ahead and send us an email. Uh, I love to hear comments and answer questions. Uh, We love to hear suggestions from you, our listeners. So please reach out by email. You can email me directly at sandraflackjfo at gmail.com. I check every one of our emails, my emails that come through, and I personally answer them. You can also reach me through our ministry website, justicefororphansny.org. 
Stay tuned to the end of the show as I have some uh, announcements about some new resources we're offering, some things that are coming up. But now I want to introduce today's guest, Jennifer O'Hanson, who is all about loving our neighbors uh, and teaching children how to demonstrate the gospel in practical ways. That is why we opened with the verses that we did. Jen is mom of 12 kids, biological, foster, and adopted. She is author of the book, Growing a Servant's Heart. We're going to talk about that. And she's founder of Blessing Bags International, a Christ-centered ministry sharing God's love through care packages. Can't wait to learn more about that as well. Please welcome Jennifer O'Hanison. Hey, Jen. Hey. I am thrilled to have you on our show. You have quite the story, 12 kids, one on the way. We'll get to that, right? Um, but I always like to start at the beginning of a story. Um, so you and your Michael, you and your Michael, you and your husband, Michael, he is your Michael, right? <laughs> what led you guys, what led you guys to, um, to foster and adopt? Well, I had um, always dreamed that I would adopt one day when I was an adult. Um, when I was a child, I had a, a very rough upbringing. Um, I was abused in every way imaginable. And um, when I was about 12 years old, um, I was watching a TV show and I saw children from China that were um, in you know, orphanages all over China. And I saw the way that they were treated and, and it broke my heart at 12 years old. And I just, I, I knew that day that one day I wanted to do something. Um, I didn't know what, but I knew I wanted to adopt. And, um, my vision of adopting was very much different than how the Lord has used me, but that was planted in me at a very young age. Um, so uh, it was actually one of my, uh, you know, pre-dating questions like, could you love a child that's not biologically yours as your own? <laughs> no. Okay. Then we can't date. <laughs> um, and, um, so, uh, getting married, uh, we, we had two children and, and that's when we really started talking more at that time about, um, what adoption would look like in our family. Um, the idea of foster care came much, much later on in the journey. Wow. So you guys, you guys ended up, how did the first child, the non-biological child come into your family then? So, um, our youngest was maybe, you know, six to eight months old or so. And we were really praying about, um, what adoption would look like in our home. Um, because of my husband's security clearance, certain countries were off limits at the time because of the job he had. And we just didn't know what it looked like. So we didn't have anybody we knew that was adopting at the time. Um, so we prayed about it. And, um, I specifically said, no teenagers. Like I want little children. Um, that's what I'm dealing with right now. You know, I had a one-year-old and a baby or almost two-year-old and a baby. And, um, it was three months later that, um, a family member was taken, uh, was going to be taken into care and we stepped forward. She was a 12 year old and, um, we stepped forward and that was the, uh, first, I mean, we, we just, we had no idea what we were doing. We just jumped in. We knew that the Lord was calling us to do this. Um, it was, it's funny because again, I said no teenagers and this is a 12 year old turning 13. So this is 
everything that I was fearful of. Um, and, um, but we knew clearly that the Lord was telling us to do this. So we, we jumped in and, uh, that's, that's how we started. Wow. So, so you did get the 12 year old, uh, she came to live with you and my story, our family story is very similar because we, uh, had a couple we had three biological children and then we welcomed in a, 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 an eight year old little girl through a kinship situation. So very similar. And cause we had no inklings of adoption or foster care or anything like that on our radar either. Um, so I know you've got so many kids and I don't want to mess up the order in which things happen. So who, who came next after the 12 year old? Um, so a few months later, um, she'd become good friends with the young lady, um, at school and, um, long story short there, uh, eventually she did become part of our family as well, um, which was totally a God thing, not anything we were looking to do. Um, so God didn't give us one teenager. He gave us two teenagers when he said no teenagers. Um, and then, um, after that time we, um, had two more biological children, um, our Hannah and our Sarah. And then, um, during, uh, Sarah's, you know, birth and everything. The the bigger kids are now at the age where they were transitioning out of our home uh, into college. Um, both of them were going to uh, Virginia State Colleges. And um, so we didn't know what things were going to look like. Um, my husband said that we should start. I, I thought I was done having kids. Um, at this point, I had six. That was a big family to me. Um, it is a big family. Uh, my, my dream was to have five kids. So um, I, I hadn't closed the door completely on adoption. I thought I had on biological children, um, but my husband just really was encouraging me at the time to, um, we had gone into full-time ministry at the time. Uh, this was 2013. And um, he said, we've given every other area of our life over to God. Why not give this area over to God and see what he has for us? And so um, I, I wasn't on board, but I'm willing to pray about anything. And so in those prayers, I just asked God that if he, you know, had something different for us, that he would change my heart. And, um, and he radically changed um, my heart towards um, foster care as a whole. Um, it's not anything I wanted to do. I, I looked at it, how I hear a lot of people speak now. I can relate because I've been there um, where people, you'll hear them say, you know, I just, I don't think I could ever do it. I don't think I could love a child that I know I'm going to send home. You know, I don't think I could become attached. You know, um, we, we know the long list of, of all the things yeah. because a lot of them have a lot of us have experienced them ourselves. And, um, but when, you know, God starts changing your heart, he helps you see it very differently. And for me, it was by the grace of God alone that I'm not one of these parents who has their children, uh, in care, you know, it is only by him radically changing my life. Um, so, uh, he helped me see it very differently. And also just to trust him knowing that he knows what's best for these children, not me. You know, I, I feel like I do at times, but ultimately God knows what's best. And so um, next through foster, well, we had another biological child during this time, um, Elizabeth in 2015. And then um, during that time, we were starting the process of looking into foster care. And one door was shut very hard. Um, of a, a, Actually, the county we were living in at the time, uh, we had too many kids for their radar. They were like, there's no way, like, these are not 
people for us. And I was very discouraged because I knew God was calling me to it. And um, God gave us a clear sign of a, a neighboring city that that that's where he wanted us to go. And so I went to the orientation. And the very first thing I asked is, is my family too big to be foster parents? And I, I like, they have places for you to write the names of your children. And I ran out of space because <laughs> I haven't kids at the time. I was like, well, two of them are at college. <laughs> two of them are way at college. And um, the, the, the worker, I remember her, the, the person who does the trainings, she looked at it and she said, well, that is a lot more kids than we're used to, but no, that doesn't disqualify you. And um, so we, we, we jumped in and um, during that um, time, uh, we again said no teenagers through our whole training, through everything. We said that we wanted our daughter, our oldest at the time was 11 our biological oldest. We had our two girls in college, obviously. Um, but in the home, our oldest was 11. And I really wanted her to finally be the oldest of the family. We know that uh, from the Bible, birth order is important, right? And so I just wanted her to try it out for a little while. Like I wanted her to, to really be the oldest child. And um, we had had a few respite placements, but our first um, full-time placement that we had was a teenager and they called us on Christmas Eve. We're in the middle of having a big family party at our house. Um, all of our family was not on board with us being foster parents. They were very concerned for our children. I'm sure you guys, uh, many of your listeners can relate to that about, um, you know, people not being open to what you're doing, not understanding it. And, um, and so here I am with a house full of people and they tell me this young lady is getting out of the hospital. Will, will we take her? And I'm like, she's 16. Like this is way over like 16 and 11 are very far from each other. And, um, we said, yes, we decided, uh, when we started foster care that we would say, um, yes to anyone that they called us for. And we would let God say our nose. So we would get on our knees and we would pray that if there was another option, a better fit for this child, a family member, you know, um, maybe if the mom is, is losing a child, maybe the dad can step in, you know, just, we didn't know, we didn't want to put God in a box, but we would pray that the Lord would move and that this child wouldn't come if he didn't want the child in our house. So any child that came into our home, we knew God wants this child here, whether it's for a day or forever. And, um, so then, uh, Alba was the next one to come into our family at 16 years old and we eventually adopted her. Oh, wow. And Christmas Eve, what a hard, a hard time for a kid, you know, to come in, come in and, and she adjusted well, because 16 is a difficult age in general. So did, how did she adjust in coming into your family, especially with just the upheaval of it's the holidays, and she came out of the hospital, and clearly there was a lot of traumatic things going on in her birth family. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Christmas Eve, she, uh, her family um, is from Honduras and um, El Salvador. So this is their Christmas day. So this is even worse, right? Um, so uh, here she is in, in a family that's an entirely different culture than anything she's used to. And they're in the middle of a party. They have a house full of people. Um, and, and I am trying to get myself on board with what God's calling me to, because I said, no teenagers and it's in my paperwork. Don't you, don't you read my paperwork? <laughs> um, and, um, they did, they did, they, but they knew me very well and they knew that, that I could handle what they were, what they were giving us, uh, with God, of course. Um, but, um, for her, um, 
it was a huge blessing that when we took in children, we decided to do as much ourselves as possible. Um, in our area, they offered, you know, rides to school, rides to therapy, rides to visitation. They would, and, and I, I think that's great for parents who need it, absolutely. But for me and my husband, um, being in full-time ministry, our schedules were such that we could, you know, work around being there for the children as much as possible. And so, um, I got to know her very well, very quickly from our very long commutes in the car everywhere. Um, and the way she feels loved is through quality time. And so here I am just me and her driving to school, driving to therapy, driving to, um, you know, visitation, which was an hour away. Um, and, um, and I would just play a game with her. I would play, um, um, three things I don't know about you and how you feel about them. And so it just over, you know, when you start out, it's like my favorite color is this, my favorite food is this. Um, but then as you continue to do this, it's, this is what I'm scared of. This is what I don't like. This is something that happened to me. Um, and, um, and you just listen and let the Holy spirit lead where you should respond and not respond. And, and, um, I do feel that our time uh, alone was where we really connected, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so next, because there's always a next, right? <laughs> next came Ismael uh, into your family. Tell us about him and the really the miraculous way he joined your family. Um, so we were still open to respite care even after our 16 year old came. So um, we would do some that were a couple days and some that were several weeks or longer. Um, there were two kids that were with us um, for several weeks. The cutoff supposed to be two weeks, but there was a unique situation. And we, we just kept them with us. They had attended a wedding with us. They had um, went on vacation with us, like, you know, and, and you're providing all their care. They were one and two years old. So, and I had a, a one and a two year old at the time as well. So, um, you know, these were my babies, right? For the time that they were with me, these were my babies. And I was very, um, very in love with them. And um, when I uh, had brought them home, I could tell that the mother was not interested in connecting with me. And respite care is very different than foster care because you don't, the same bonds can't be formed there. You know, you're not, um, you're not, the kid's not going to visitation all the time. The kid's not, when they go home, they go home. And it's like goodbye and that's the end. Um, and so I really was sad that I couldn't make those connections with their mother. Um, and there was a language barrier there as well, which was was one of the biggest problems. Um, so I was exhausted from doing respite care when they left my house, just emotionally drained. Um, um, and I just felt like um, I wasn't ready to tell CPS I wanted a break. Quite the contrary. I just wanted a placement that I could invest in them, invest in their family, get, you know, like I was with my 16-year-old. You know, I talked to her mother regularly. I, I, was, I sat in on some of their visitations, sat around the table, you know, and had food with them. Um, so I just wanted to get to, to know a family um, and not do respite. And so um, I prayed and I asked God for no more respite. I need a placement. And I had always wanted a baby since I was 12 years old. I had wanted to adopt um, young children and God always gives me teenagers. And, and that day I surrendered that dream to him. Um, I said that, you know, it's best for me. And if it's teenagers, if that's what's best for me, even though I'm not always on board, you know, I give that to you. And, um, 
so I did, I, I surrendered to him. I said, you know, I, 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 he knows my heart, right? The Lord knows our hearts. And um, so I just said, you know, I've always wanted a baby, but I will take whatever you give me. Just give me a placement that I can invest in. And it was the following morning from praying. I even remember where I was when I prayed that I was in my room, um, my closet area had a rocking chair where I had rocked so many babies of my own and, and so many children and respite and, um, and the next morning I had got a call for Ismael. Um, and uh, I care very much about the meanings of names, uh, you know, in the Bible, you know, God even gave us new names, right? Like in the Bible, when, you know, he would call somebody, he would give them a new name and, and you look at the meanings of these names and they have so much to do with the life that these people lived. And, um, so me and my husband are very, me a little bit more so, but very into names. So immediately when I heard this little boy's name, I looked it up to see what the meaning was. And I mean, I was just, I, I, in awe, I can't even explain how I felt because his name means God hears or God listens. And so here I am calling out to God saying, I can't take this anymore. Like bring me somebody that's going to stay here for a while. And, and he hears, he hears. <laughs> um, and um, the, the mother of this little boy who is very dear to my heart. I love her with everything in me. I love her. Like she is my child. Um, she had other children and their names were very American names. And then you have Ismael. Um, so I said that God named, I've told her God named your son. <laughs> he used you, but God named, God named your son. So, so how long did Ismael stay? Did he reunite? He didn't reunite because you will tell us the story. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, so, um, the goal was reunification and um, in the beginning, when I, I saw the, the choices the mother was making, I actually, you know, I was very excited because um, I was like, oh, great, she's doing everything wrong. Like, I'm going to get to keep this baby like my Ismael. I'm going to get to keep him. And the Lord humbled me. Um, uh, and, you know, the what he had put on my heart was, do you trust that you know what's best for him or that I know what's best for him? And like, why do I get to decide that? Right. And, um, and I was very broken and I, I just, I, you know, I was very honest with God. If I help this mother, if I, you know, I'm going to lose my son, you're going to take my son away from me. Right. This, this prayer that's answered, you're going to, and, um, the Lord just said clearly, love her, love her. And, um, so I, I listened to the Lord, you know, I asked him to give me his love for her. And the next time I saw her was at a visitation. Um, and I asked her if she needed a ride home because I knew she had walked uh, in the heat. She had walked there. And so she was surprised and she took me up on the, the ride. Obviously, CPS was they knew that I was giving her a ride. Everything was out in the open um, because they are ultimately the ones in charge. Um, and so I gave her a ride. And when she started to get out of the car, just out of nowhere, I stopped her and I said, I just want to let you know that I love your son. And because you are his mother, I love you. And she was shocked, like that I told her I loved her. And she would tell you that that was the moment our relationship and the entire thing changed. Um, and we grew very close. I mean, I've, I've sat with her in the waiting room um, at a jail before while she's getting processed. Um, just loving on her. Um, we, we grew very close and I did everything that I could do within obviously the CPS guidelines that they set for me. Cause they had to, they had to tell me when to not do things. Um, 
but I did everything I could to get her help. And unfortunately she, she wasn't ready, um, to, to take that help yet. And, you know, she was very good at doing it while I was holding her hand, but the second I let go, she couldn't uh, do it anymore. One thing that I just feel like I'm supposed to share, so I will, is that um, on Halloween night, I wanted her to experience her son's first trick-or-treating. I know different people feel differently about trick-or-treating, but we do it as a family and um, you have to dress up as something positive, (laughs) no scary creatures. But um, we went out that night and um, I invited his mom, his biological mother to come with us. And so we call her Mama Mary Bean. And um, so we invited her to come and she did. And while she was watching my teenage daughter, who was closer to 17 at the time, I think, or maybe 17, um, she was just watching her, watching her trick or treat, watching her play with the kids. And she turned to me and she said she was in foster care herself. And she turned to me and said that if I would have had foster parents like you, my life would have turned out differently. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, you know, really touched my heart so deeply because there are so many teenagers that needed, need love and need someone to take a risk with them, even though it is hard, right? But foster care in general is hard. And, um, and, you know, here is a a girl saying, if I would have been loved by a family like yours, my life would have turned out different. And I'm just so thankful that God knew better with the three teenagers he had already given me. Um, If that makes sense. I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that that's something that I've got to invest in love in three young ladies. Um, and, and I am open to one day doing more. Um, I don't, I don't close my, my, I'm not close to teenagers anymore. The Lord has radically changed my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. So tell us what happens next, because there's sort of like a twist and turn in this story with Ismail and his mom. So, um, during that time, I had a baby because we know that that's going to be in there somewhere, right? So I had a, a baby that's a few months older than Ismail. Um, and then um, we were led by the Lord to um, take our ministry that we had been doing um, in the Northern Virginia area to take it on the road full time, um, to literally give away all of our belongings and move into a travel trailer and, and leave the area. And, um, so we knew we could not do foster care in that setting. Um, and so, um, we didn't know what that would look like because at the time, um, Ismail's mom was pregnant again. And, um, we spent a lot of time praying, um, and asking God if he wanted us to stay because we knew to do foster care, you need to at least have a house. Right. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, we, we, you know, prayed and the Lord just continued to make it clearer that this was the time to go that we needed to go now. And so again, I would go back to him again in prayer because I knew like, you know, if this baby comes into care, um, I, I won't be able to, to have this baby. And we knew he would come into care. Um, and, um, so, we, uh, I actually so much so had, had found another family that, um, you know, I, I, I didn't know them extremely well, but I knew we had similar beliefs and um, I had spent a little time with them and they had at one point um, done respite care for, or no foster care for one of Ismail's cousins. So they were already acquainted with the family um, and the Lord had other plans. So um, once we had set out on the road, uh, the baby was born and through a kinship placement, we were able to uh, adopt this young man. Um, and guess what? During that time, I had a baby. 
<laughs> so, um, so setting out for full-time ministry, we had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, a six-month-old, and a newborn baby. Um, we're the youngest, and then we had five older children. Um, by older, I mean wow. like four, six, not not extremely old. But um, but so that was a lot of little babies. I jokingly said that um, she had a baby every other year from me. Um, so we were always pregnant at the same time. Um, but my relationship with the mother is why she trusted me to, um, she is the one who made the choice to sign over, um, the child and to go through and, and give up her rights, um, so to speak for the baby. She is the one that started that, that process, knowing that the baby would likely go into care and that this was a way to ensure that her baby didn't have to go through that again. Um, so I hope that answered the question. Uh, yeah. So, so you did adopt Ismail, correct? Yes. Yes. And then this next baby that came, came, you adopted him. And, and I know you had shared with me, and I thought this was just so amazing how God moves mountains, right? That seem impossible to be moved any other way. But that um, you were, you were in full time ministry in the travel trailer, no home. And the, the second baby Ismail's brother comes into care. And how were you what did God do so that you to move the mountain so that he was placed with you? So um, we had, um, we knew through being in foster care for years, we had built relationships with the, the you know, people that, that work there and they knew our situation. They knew we would be traveling um, for at least a year at the time. We didn't know COVID was going to be a thing. So uh, our, our journey has been way extended. Um, but they knew that we were going to be traveling for work and um, we would not be able to go through traditional means to adopt, um, so to speak, with the, you know, you, you guys out there know the whole process involved in, in adopting. And so, you know, the state has to be able to show that you are mentally, physically, um, and financially able to care for a child, which they felt that we were. And so they stepped in and helped us do the adoption. So it really is a miracle. Like you don't hear of stories like ours. Um, and we feel so blessed that, um, that we, again, when God calls you to something, he will provide the way for you to do it. Like he, he's not going to call you to anything and just, um, leave you. Like many people said that we could not be foster parents because of our jobs. Um, you know, we do not have typical nine to five jobs. We, we are in ministry. And, um, when the Lord called us to become foster parents, not only did we become foster parents, we were, um, for that, for that city that we were in, we were foster parents of the year in 2019. Like they came over, wow. they did a video of us. They recognized us. I have like the little plaque thing. <laughs> um, and, but I, I, I say that not to like brag at all because I, I know what type of mother I am and, and I wouldn't have nominated me for foster parents of the year. There are plenty of wonderful foster parents that I probably would have nominated over myself. Um, you know, but you know, again, it's something God called us to. And he's like, look what I can do, you know, like, mm. anyways, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes, it totally makes sense. So after after you adopted Ismail's baby brother, did it, were there any other adoptions after that? I just want no, to make sure. No, okay. Yeah, no other adoptions after that. That was um, two years ago um, that we we had adopted him and um and we have been on the road full time uh, ever since 
So which I do want to get to, but I also want to ask because I know you're you're expecting baby number 13, right? So um, very full house uh, or travel trailer because that's what you're still <laughs> doing right now. Um, but so many of the children who come um, uh, into who had come into foster care, right, have experienced trauma. Um, and as as many of the children who came into your home, um, how did you become trauma informed? What training did you get uh, even beyond the foster parent training classes? What has that looked like in your family? Um, so the foster training classes were wonderful, but I don't think they um, you know, that's just surface stuff, right? Um, so you have to do a certain amount of training a year, obviously, to keep your, you know, I know it's different in every area. Um, but for us, it was, I think, 11 hours we had to do a year um, of training. And um, the empowering to connect is something that was introduced to us actually before we started foster care, because we had two uh, daughters at the time um, that we were adopting. And um, that I think now it's called um, Hope Journey or something like that. You'd have Hope to- for the Journey. Yeah. Yeah. The Empowered to Connect conferences are now uh, Hope for the Journey. Yep. Yes. So at the time it was the Empowering to Connect. So um, and the first time I attended one, um, it was actually very hard on me because being a, a victim of trauma and abuse and all that myself from my childhood. Um, I learned so much about myself. I remember sitting through the, the first day worth of videos and, you know, speaking and stuff. And I just, I just bawled my eyes out. Um, it, it just gave me such an understanding of why I'm wired the way that I'm wired, why my memory, you know, uh, is the way that it is and why I do some of the things that I do. And just, it just really helps me understand myself a lot better. Um, so it was very therapeutic for me, um, for me, for me myself, but, um, definitely for all of the children that come in, um, just understanding how, what they've been through is, is affecting, um, the way that they're behaving, the way that they're acting, um, or how they're not acting, so to speak. But, um, and it also helps me with my own children. I will say that that conference is good just for parents in general. I mean, obviously it's geared towards people who are raising, um, foster kids or, or, you know, adoptive kids. But, um, I, I use so many of the, the tools that they gave me on my own biological children as well. It's, it's well, you can use it on anybody. Um, and, uh, it, it's something that we use daily now, even though we haven't been to a conference in two years. Yeah. Yeah. And they did change the name. So I, I, it's all based on Dr. Karen Purvis's work through, uh, with um, trust-based relational intervention. So I'm sure many of our listeners know, but those that might not get the book, The Connected Child by Dr. Karen Purvis, um, that was a, a game changer in my family as well. And now there's another book, The Connected Parent, which is by Dr. Purvis and uh, Lisa Qualls. And an excellent companion resource uh, and empower to connect conferences, which are virtual conferences have been changed. The name has been changed to hope for the journey, which I love. Uh, and I know my husband and I also became empowered to connect parent trainers. And now the name for that has also changed and off the top of my head, I can't remember the name that it's been changed to this summer. We have to go through some updated 
training because they've, um, you know, updated and modified everything. It's still the same, all TBRI based, um, but it's all excellent resources for adoptive and foster and kinship families. I'll make sure we put a link to that. We have those resources also listed on our on our website. So that'll all be there for our listeners if you're looking to learn more. But I want to talk, Jen, about your book, Growing a Servant's Heart. Why did you write this book? Um, so our ministry in Northern Virginia called Blessing Bags International um, helps families have a, an easy way to serve with their children. So we offer a family-friendly service project. Families come out, they make care packages for homeless, day laborers, crisis pregnancy centers, troops, elderly. It's a long list. And um, we offer this simple service project in hopes to help parents not just have their kids be hearers of the word, you know, through church and awanas and Bible studies and prayer time, but to be doers of the word, to help the, the kids put their faith in action. And when the Lord called us to take this ministry on the road, I felt like I didn't have the tools, like in the area that I was in, I could continue to offer service projects. But um, when I'm just passing through an area, um, I felt like I was getting them excited to serve. And then I was leaving these parents to try to figure out ways to serve with children of all ages and all abilities, you know, and, and disabilities as well. Um, and I, I just didn't feel like I had the tools. And um, that's when the Lord had placed on my heart that um, I should write a book, that he wanted me to write a book. And um, I laughed hysterically. Um, I am not an extremely educated person. I do not have a college degree in anything. Um, I was actually uh, homeless for you know, uh, a few months when I turned 18, I was not in college. I wasn't the normal leaving high school and preparing for college. It was leaving high school, barely got out. And now what do I do? Um, and um, because of my trauma as a child, um, I'm dyslexic. I have ADHD. Like I, I'm not, I'm just not the type of person who thought that I would ever write a book. And so it was definitely, again, I say over and over that, you know, the Lord will equip you for what he's calling you to do. It, you don't have to be prepared, right? You don't have to already, you know, he, he will prepare you. And um, so I said yes. And then I set out to find the book because I figured if somebody else wrote the book, then I wouldn't have to write it. <laughs> and I didn't find anything like he had placed on my heart. Um, so um one night, uh, we had a friend experience a, a tragedy in their home. Um, one of their, their foster children had passed away. And um, that night, I just remember getting up with a very heavy heart as I was giving my foster son at the time a bottle. Um, and the Lord, through my pain, was just like, right, right, right now, like, right. And I got out my cell phone and I started writing. And I wrote the first section of my book uh, that night. I just sat in the chair, wrote my first chapter. And, um, you know, I thought when the Lord was calling me to this, I was going to do all this research. Like, what does an author look like? Like, what do I, you know, I, I thought I was going to have to do all of this stuff. And the Lord's like, no, I, I've got this. And um, when I finished writing that night, the Lord said, if you can write about this, you can write about anything. He really placed on my heart. And so, um, so that's what I did. I just started, I realized that um, not only could I ex get people excited about serving um, and give them easy service projects to do that are laid out for them, but I also had a platform to um, hopefully ignite a passion in children to um, find out what God's calling them to do. He's calling each of us to do something, right? And um, so, you know, I wanted to adopt since I was 12. That's something that was put into me at 12, and here I am, I'm, I've adopted five children, right? So, um, 
I just started decide like I just tried to cover every topic I could think of covering in this book um, as much as I could. And um, so it is a it is a tool for me to use as I go around the country, offer family friendly service projects. Now I have a book to go with it and I can leave parents with 51 more ways because it's 52 ways and one of them they've just done 52 more ways they can serve in their community and their church and their, uh, you know, in their home and 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 worldwide. Oh, I love that. So the title of the book is Growing a Servant's Heart. Where can our listeners grab a copy? Uh, The easiest way is on Amazon. um, And I think they also have it on walmart.com. Wonderful. And we're going to get a free copy that we're going to give away to our listeners. So our listeners who are listening, that sounds a little redundant, but um, you can go to the Justice for Orphans website, justicefororphansny.org, and there'll be a pop up uh, and you'll see where you can just enter your email address. Uh, So you'll be entered sort of into a drawing and we will pick a name, uh, pull a name at random and send, uh, send you a book. So make sure you visit our website so that you can have a chance to win a free copy of Growing a Servant's Heart. If not, you can go to Amazon, walmart.com, and we'll put a link in the show notes to this episode as well, of course. So you mentioned Blessing Bags International, which is your service project-oriented ministry. Tell us about how that started, what it is. Um, Explain that for us. So um, it started because uh, when our teenagers came into our life, I was still learning how to raise a one and two year old. <laughs> and um, and I really wanted a way to serve with um, as serve as a family. I realized my older children could go out and do, you know, soup kitchens and clothing shops and so on and so forth. But my little children, I wanted them to serve as well. And obviously they could serve around the home and, you know, do different things that I was doing, but I I really wanted something everyone could do together. And, um, I had seen online, someone had shared that, um, an organization, I think the Girl Scouts or something had made care packages. And, um, I thought like, what a, what a great way that our whole family could serve. Um, so I got my Bible study on board. I was like, let's make care packages for the homeless. Um, we'll, we'll step it up a notch and we'll do it for Jesus. Right. Cause everything we do, we want to make God the focus. Right. And so, um, we put Bibles in them and we decided we wanted to not just drop them off somewhere. We wanted to hand them to these people. We wanted to hand them to the homeless, talk to them, pray with them. Um, And so that was kind of where it started. Uh, We thought it would just be a service project we would do once or twice a year. Um, And during our second time, a year later, doing the service project, the Lord was really placing on our hearts that this is what he wanted us to do full time. And so um, I left my job that I was very content in, um, but God had something better for me. Um, you know, uh, just because something's good doesn't mean that God doesn't have something better for us, right? Um, something that he's calling us to. So, um, so yeah, so I, I we started, um, we registered as a 501c3 nonprofit and um, started making care packages. And it just grew and grew um, from us making homeless bags to making bags for crisis pregnancy centers to making my favorite bag, which is an act of kindness bag, which isn't so much to uh, meet a physical need, but a spiritual need just to love people. Um, I've been giving them out all week and making them all week uh, here. And I'm in Florida currently. So, um, but yeah, that's how our ministry started. Oh, what an amazing ministry. So you have a website, blessing-bags.org, hyphen 
bags.org. So our listeners can go check out your website also. And again, we'll include a link in the show notes. But so since 2020, your family have been itinerant missionaries, essentially taking blessing bags all around the United States. Uh, COVID sort of came in there also. You had to deal with that. Share with us about this adventure you're on. So um, again, the adventure has been a much, much longer adventure because, you know, we started out with eight kids thinking we were going to travel the country four weeks later, made it nine kids. And then two weeks after that COVID hit. So it was a lot all at once. Uh, We went from a five bedroom, four bathroom house to a small travel trailer. Um, So it was definitely a learning curve. Um, And um, we... um, we went south, uh, you know, during COVID, uh, you know, trying our best to follow whatever the, the mandates were for the areas we were in, um, because they're different in every area. And when you live in a travel trailer, you can't really stay home, so to speak. So um, we use it as a time to um, bless people with food. We, we took food to people's houses that couldn't get out of that, that weren't leaving their homes. Uh, we used that as an outreach as well during, during COVID. But um, we We have been to 38 states so far. Um, Mississippi was number 38. And um, we will finish the continental U.S. by September 4th. We have about 8,000 more miles ahead of us over uh, the rest of the spring and summer months. Um, And uh, we plan on camping out in California for a few months and having a baby. Um, And then um, once we can get our passports and everything in order for the new baby, we uh, plan on heading into Mexico once we finish the U.S. And um, in Mexico, it's a little different. We will offer um, all of the people we've met around the country an opportunity to serve abroad with their families. So children of all ages and their families will get to come into Mexico, um, Baja Ensenada, um, and get to serve um, through Blessing Bags and other ministries there um, and just see what it's like, uh, you know, we know poverty in America, we do see it, but not on the same scale that it is in other countries. And so it's a, a very different and unique opportunity. And our hearts is for families to serve together. So everything that we do is geared towards it being family friendly um, and opening it up for children of all ages and abilities. Wow, incredible, incredible ministry. I love the work that you're doing. So inspiring. Um, Jen, our listeners are primarily uh, like yours, adoptive, foster and kinship caregivers. What is on your heart as we wrap up here that you'd like to share with our listeners to encourage them on their parenting journey? So um, it is a hard journey. (laughs) Parenting as a whole is hard work, right? Um, You know, I, I guess the best encouragement that I can leave people with and what's always on my heart is number one, if God's calling you to something um, during your journey, uh, trust him because he will give you what you need during that time. Um, And You know, the Bible tells us that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the hard things that we're going through right now, God will use all of those. Um, You know, so often I just cry out and tell him this is too hard, but I know you can do something beautiful with it. Um, And just give him those situations and know that this is a season. So if you're dealing with a a really hard time, a really hard season right now, um, you know, God's got this. He's still, he's, you know, he's with you during this journey and, um, and he is doing something behind the scenes, even when we can't see it. Um, 
our oldest daughter, our oldest adopted daughter, um, she um, had a very rough childhood uh, in our home. She did not adapt well. Um, and uh, it was a challenge. Um, there were nights that I cried out to God saying, are you sure you've called me to this? This is just too much. And um, now she is a, a beautiful married woman who loves the Lord with all of her heart, has two children, and her and her husband, their heart is to serve. Um, their heart is to serve through their jobs that they have, through ministries, through um, they are just, they're in love with the Lord. And to see that God knew what he was doing in our house, because she didn't fall in love with God in our house, you know, but we were building into her and we were loving her and we were giving her the tools that she needed. And and in the end, God, in his perfect timing, uh, stepped in and and won her heart, so to speak. Um, so just stick with it and know that that God's got you and give it to him because nothing's too big for him. Mm, I love that. Such an inspiration, especially for us fellow adoptive and foster parents on this journey. And, and sometimes we wonder if our children will ever, you know, choose the Lord. But like you said, you know, your first adopted daughter didn't in your home, but you were plant, you were planting those seeds along the way. Um, and in, and in God's timing, uh, she did come to him. So I know that's inspiration for me and I'm sure it is for our listeners as well. Jen, thank you so much for sharing your story, for spreading the gospel. I love all that you are doing. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you found some encouragement uh, by listening to Jen's story today. I know I sure did. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to her website and her book and, and any other links that we mentioned in the show um, so that you can find them there. I also want to let you know about our fetal alcohol spectrum disorder resources, uh, our FASD 101 training. I am currently offering online or in person. It's great for groups, uh, foster parent support groups, adoptive, adoptive groups, um, any kind of group that you're doing if you're going to do a, a retreat for families or for moms, uh, any way you want to get a group together of foster adoptive and kinship caregivers who may be interested in learning more about FASD uh, and uh, learning how to navigate that with your kids. Uh, I've created a three-hour training uh, for parents and professionals. It can be modified to be a little bit shorter than that, but the full-on training is three hours. Uh, soon you'll be able to actually register for it on our Justice for Orphans website where you can either decide if you want to host one and get families together for that or if you want to attend one that may be already happening. Uh, but for now, uh, because it's, it's not up on our website yet, that's being updated currently, uh, you can contact me directly if you are interested in having me come and present the FASD 101 uh, in person or online, like I said, to your support group, parent group, agency or organization. Just contact me. You can email me directly at my uh, email address is Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com. You can also reach me through our website, justicefororphansny.com. Org, uh, And we also have something very special brewing uh, for the beginning of September that you will want to be part of. It's a collaboration with another FASD adoptive mama who you may be familiar with, uh, but I'm not going to 
Not going to give you all the details now. It's still in the planning stages. So stay tuned to this podcast for future announcements. But we are creating um, a support group for uh, especially FASD parents uh, and a whole community where you can get devotionals each week from two moms who are in the trenches with you, um, a a private uh, Facebook group, uh, some one-on-one kind of pour a cup of coffee, jump into a Zoom call kind of small group thing. Um, Lots of resources that you can access throughout the month um, within the community. So that is going to be coming in September. And as we solidify things, we will be letting you know. So stay tuned to this, uh, uh, this podcast for the details on how you can get involved in that community so you can have hope Um, an encouragement for your adoption, foster care, and kinship journey, especially parenting children prenatally exposed to alcohol. So uh, stay tuned. Don't forget the uh, upcoming name change. This Orphans No More podcast will begin dropping in your inbox as the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast as of June 1st. Again, If you're already a subscriber, you do not have to do anything. Uh, If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe um, and you'll just see the name change when it drops into your inbox. Uh, If you enjoyed this show, be sure to let us know by subscribing. Uh, We want to let adoptive and foster and kinship caregivers know about the show so that they can be encouraged and equipped too. Uh, If you're looking for a great read, you can check out my family's kinship and Ukrainian adoption story in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It is available wherever you buy books. And if you order it on Amazon after you read it, hey, please go back in and leave a review. I would greatly appreciate that. If you would like a signed copy, signed by yours truly, I sign them and pop them in the mail myself. Uh, You can get a signed copy along with a nice free gift bookmark I slide in there. Uh, Go to my website, sandraflack.com. You can order right there, as well as you can learn more about me, read my blog, and contact me for speaking opportunities. I'd like to give a big shout out uh, because we can't do what we do without support here at the Justice for Orphans Ministry, which is the, um, this podcast is an extension of JFO. So one of the other big projects that we do is the Care Portal platform. So I want to give a big thank you to our Care Portal County sponsors, Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Cooksakie, these businesses care about children and families in crisis, and they help us do what we do, including bringing this podcast to you. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Justice for Orphans has both a page on both. And you can also follow me, Sandra Flack. You can find me at both uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. And we're now to the end. I thank you so much for joining us today. If you made it all the way to the end here, I'm grateful you spent your valuable time with me today. And I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.